welcome. Come right in here to the Earth Church. I'm Reverend Billy. Who today we're gonna talk with Duchess Vera and Savitri D and Teddy Tam Tam. And we have our silent friend over here, Luke. Luke Aluya, holding the iPhone, putting us on Instagram. Luke is here too. Now we have in today's Earth Church. We've got a special guest, Kelly Dennings from the Center for Biological Diversity, going to talk to us about that devil, plastics. Oh, plastics around the world, what it's doing to us, what it's doing to life on this planet. Well, welcome. This is an Extinction Talk radio production from the, from the Church of Stop Shopping. We're glad you're here. Let's go now, somebody, to get to the next chapter. We've got to go Earthaluya together. Join me now. Earthaluya, Earthaluya, Earthaluya. as the end of the world approached that there were still such great sales new and improved apple apps survivalist yoga techniques drowning elmo toys all kinds of things 
The tsunamis and heat waves, flash floods, volcanoes, hurricanes bounced on the horizon like Looney Tunes. The accelerating apocalypse got us hot. The really bad disasters were all available on pay-per-view. What didn't kill us made us watch. You could take a mile-wide tornado off the shelf, hit a button, watch it drop into the city, and wow, it was like watching Lady Gaga do the splits in a dress made of flank sticks. You can say one thing about the humans. We were a species that scribbled, texted, hologrammed, and burst a blood vessel of pixels in the final years of modern life. If the revolution wasn't televised, the end of the world certainly was. Millions of movies were found on mounds of stinking corpses, still flickering on screens through cold, grasping fingers. Of the six known mass extinctions on Earth, this was the self-conscious one, produced and consumed in high-def, broad color with advanced compression algorithms. The end of the world was the storyline of all the best-selling books and movies. In its own way, this was the perfect happy ending. The media was made, completed, and shipped to consumers. The end was casually tagged to be continued. A kind of eternity was claimed. Products have the power to survive. And you can join them beyond the storms and fires and floods. No money down. The extinction will not be commodified. They you will try to. You know, well, they will try to commodify it. They're trying. They're, they're trying. doing it. They'll try to bottle it like perfume. Yeah. They're selling us bottles. They'll try to like make it a tourist item. It's going to come packed in a plastic bag. No, 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 you're hurting me now. A reusable You know why? Bag. Because today, plastics are the evil, and we're going to have a scientist a little bit later named Dr. Dennings, Kelly Dennings, who's going to talk to us about plastic pollution. Mm. Praise be. Oh, Kelly Luya. The recession will end. We're told by the New York Times. We're told by Wall Street. The recession will end because we spend. Spend, spend, spend. Americans show signs of spending, said the headline a couple days ago, the New York Times. We will recover from the pandemic by one, getting the vaccine, which is a commodity item, and by swiping our way forward into the mall of the universe. Am I right? That's the way it's supposed to go. That's right. That's when right. our consumer economy was stopped in its tracks last year, now I'm talking about New Yorkers know what I'm talking about, and people who lived in cities. But I think that people who are listening to me right now who live, who live in uh, smaller towns or rural, beautiful rural areas, you'll have had another kind of signal. Here, we had a signal from the earth after, we, after the COVID started and we stopped driving so much. We had this Everybody was looking up into space because the sky was this rich kind Gorgeous. of amazing blue color. Oof. We hardly knew what, we talked about it with admiration and we still do. Yeah. You know, we, I remember my mom talking about that happening um, uh, after 9-11. Um, I live right by the George Washington Bridge and it, it was the same thing because they closed the bridge down for, for a couple days and the sky was clear blue. I remember that. Mm -hmm. I, I lived at... Uh, um, between Canal and 14th Street, and, and uh, 
the only vehicles there were cops. <laughs> no, there were people. Ambulances. Grandfathers in <laughs> India were crying because for the first time they can see the Himalaya from, you know, from their cities because wow. for all this time they couldn't. And they used to when they were kids. And, and for the first time in, you know, long time they can see it and they were just having this emotional outburst. But now... We're becoming kind of cynical again. Now we're becoming consumers again. And we talk about that very, very blue sky uh, in the way that we talk about our grandmother talking to us about working hard and being honest. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like that crocheted thing in the frame, home sweet home. (laughs) We're getting a little bit sentimental about that blue sky. Isn't that a Willie Nelson song? What is it called? Blue sky smiling at me. Nothing but blue skies do I see. And you're listening to Extinction Talk Radio. I'm Reverend Billy, and these 29 minutes feature the Duchess, Teddy Tam Tam, Savitri D, and the Stop Shopping Choir. We're all members of the Church of Stop Shopping. We're trying to make new kinds of earth activism through humor and music. And the sacred state of exalted embarrassment. Amen. Praise be. Um, You can reach us at RevBilly.com. R-E-V, Victor B-Boy, I-L-L-Y, RevBilly.com. Will somebody give me an earth Hello. Welcome to News from the Natural World. I'm Savitri D. Pandora, the world's biggest jeweler, announced Tuesday it will drop mine diamonds from its glass cases and sell only lab-generated ones, a pointed move for an industry that relies on scarcity for value and a reflection of consumer demand for sustainability and ethical sourcing. Copenhagen-based Pandora's foray into man-made diamonds, which can be produced at a fraction of the cost and time, reflects a reorientation of the jewelry market brought on by the pandemic and the sentiments of younger buyers who are more likely to factor in environmental and human rights concerns when choosing products. New mapping released today by the Wilderness Committee indicates that British Columbia, home to some of the largest stands of old-growth trees in the world, has approved significantly more old-growth logging over the past 12 months than it did in the previous year. The province approved logging in 84,669 hectares of old-growth forest over the past year, compared with 60,000 hectares the year prior. Advocates speculate that the 43% increase could signal the forest industry's push to secure harvestable timber as the province promises tighter restrictions on old-growth logging. Arizona Attorney General Mark Bronovich accused the Biden administration of failing to protect the environment in a recent lawsuit. The suit claims that the source of pollution is immigrants and seeks to reinstate President Donald Trump's immigration policies on the argument that Biden has failed to carry out mandatory environmental reviews on how more immigration could increase climate-changing pollution. Migrants, like everyone else, need housing, infrastructure, hospitals, and schools. They drive cars, purchase goods, and use public parks and other facilities, the suit reads. Their actions also directly result in the release of pollutants, carbon dioxide, and other greenhouse gases into the atmosphere, which directly affects air quality. Using pro-environment arguments to defend anti-immigration views dates back decades. 
It is also a sign that a more nefarious ideological view could be making its way into mainstream politics. The idea that the response to ecological collapse and rising seas should be to limit who gets a seat in a finite number of civilizational lifeboats. That view, known as eco-fascism, has already gained traction in Europe, where far-right parties are increasingly adopting that rhetoric as voters' concern over climate change converges with anger at migrants. The Environmental Protection Agency moved on Monday to sharply reduce the use and production of powerful greenhouse gases central to refrigeration and air conditioning, part of the Biden administration's larger strategy of trying to slow the pace of global warming. The agency proposed to regulate hydrofluorocarbons, or HFCs, a class of man-made chemicals that are thousands of times more potent than carbon dioxide at warming the planet. The proposal is the first significant step the EPA has taken under President Biden to curb climate change. Like methane, HFCs have short-term warming effects far more powerful than carbon dioxide, but they don't stay in the atmosphere as long. Scientists have estimated that reducing these types of greenhouse gases can have a palpable impact, avoiding an estimated 0.6 degrees Celsius of warming by mid-century. Yet climate change itself appears to be causing a rise in emissions from the pollutant. According to EPA data, emissions from HFCs rose by 4 million metric tons between 2018 and 2019, a spike that analysts attributed to record-breaking heat in the U.S. that drove demand for air conditioning and refrigeration. There is growing evidence that deforestation in Nigeria is being hastened by the illegal trade in charcoal, which is exported to the U.S. and other markets for sale to consumers. The product is very hard to trace, which presents challenges to regulatory bodies. Nigeria lost nearly half of its forest area between 2007 and 2017. In 2017, the staggering deforestation forced environmental policymakers to recommend a de facto ban on charcoal export by ceasing to issue the permits required. But the following year, with this policy still in place, other countries' import of Nigerian charcoal grew by 35%. Charcoal use for pleasure rather than subsistence seems to be increasing. In 2020, the United States alone imported over 158 million kilograms of charcoal from various countries, 42% more than in 2019, and more than twice the amount a decade ago in 2010. Temporary rises in air pollution may impair memory and thinking in older men, according to research that indicates even short-term spikes in airborne particles can be harmful to brain health. Scientists found that the men's cognitive performance fell following rises in air pollution during the months before testing, even when peak levels remain below safety thresholds for toxic air set by the WHO and national regulators. The findings build on growing evidence that exposure to fine particulate matter in the air, largely from road vehicles and industry, is harmful not only to the heart and lungs, but also to delicate neural tissues in the brain. The impact of toxic air on the respiratory and cardiovascular health is well established, and evidence for damage to the brain is mounting. Studies have linked air pollution to reduced intelligence and dementia. In February, work led by the University of Edinburgh found that exposure to air pollution in childhood was linked to poorer thinking skills later in life. Lightning bolts break apart nitrogen and oxygen molecules in the atmosphere and create reactive chemicals that affect greenhouse gases. A team of atmospheric chemists and lightning scientists have found that lightning bolts and surprisingly sub-visible discharges that cannot be seen by cameras or the naked eye 
produce extreme amounts of the hydroxyl radical OH and hydroperoxyl radical HO2. The hydroxyl radical is important in the atmosphere because it initiates chemical reactions and breaks down molecules like the greenhouse gas methane. OH is the main driver of many compositional changes in the atmosphere. The Bornean subspecies of Raja scops owl has been documented in the wild for the first time since 1892. It may be its own unique species and deserving of a conservation designation. Researchers reported the rediscovery and photographed this elusive subspecies in the mountainous forests of Mount Kinabalu in Sabah, Malaysia. Scops owls weigh approximately four ounces, equivalent to four AA batteries. Both subspecies of Raja scops owl are native to Southeast Asia. A grass commonly used to fight soil erosion has been genetically modified to successfully remove toxic chemicals left in the ground from munitions that are dangerous to human health. A new study led by the University of York demonstrates that genetically modified switchgrass can detoxify residues of the military explosive RDX left behind on live fire training ranges, munitions dumps, and minefields. RDX has been a major component of munitions since World War II, which are still used extensively on military training grounds. This use has now resulted in widespread pollution of groundwater. Researchers generated the plants by inserting two genes from bacteria able to break down RDX. The plants were then grown in RDX-contaminated soil on a U.S. military site. The genetically modified grass grew well and successfully degraded RDX to non-detectable levels in their plant tissues. Research and anecdotal evidence has shown that people are subject to the chameleon effect in certain circumstances, in which people mimic the behavior of another. The most well-known example is yawn contagion. In a new study, researchers have found that when one person starts using their phone, nearly half of those who witness it will pick up their own phones. The work involved watching groups of strangers and groups of people who know each other to see what would happen when someone in a group began using their phone. The researchers found that overall, half of the people who saw a person pick up their phone and start using it did the same within 30 seconds. They noted that in the instances when the researchers began using their phone without looking at it, fewer people picked up their phones, just 0.5%. China's greenhouse gas emissions in 2019 surpassed those of the United States and the developed world combined. China's share of global emissions rose to 27% of the world's total, while the United States remained the second largest emitter at 11%. India's share came third at 6.6%, edging the 27 nations in the European Union, which account for 6.4%. China, India, and other so-called developing nations have long noted that over the past century, the US and Europe grew their economies while generating massive amounts of greenhouse gases, and that requiring the developing world to clamp down on emissions as they industrialize and bring millions of citizens into the middle class is unfair. And now, the sounds of extinction. The rusty-patched bumblebee. The rusty-patched bumblebee lives in colonies that include a single queen and female workers. The colony produces males and new queens in late summer. Queens are the largest bees in the colony, and workers are the smallest. All rusty-patched bumblebees have entirely black heads, but only workers and males have a rusty reddish patch centrally located on the back. They once occupied grasslands and tall grass prairies of the upper Midwest and Northeast. 
but most grasslands and prairies have been lost, degraded, or fragmented by conversion to other use. Bumblebees need areas that provide nectar and pollen from flowers, nesting sites like underground and abandoned rodent cavities or clumps of grasses, and overwintering sites for hibernating queens in undisturbed soil. Rusty patch bumblebees contribute to our food security and the healthy functioning of ecosystems. Bumblebees are keystone species in most ecosystems, necessary not only for native wildflower reproduction, but also for creating seeds and fruits that feed wildlife as diverse as songbirds, humans, and grizzly bears. The rusty-patched bumblebee is currently the only bee listed as endangered in the U.S. Habitat loss, intensive farming, disease, pesticides, and climate change are significant contributors to their decline. And hear the sound of the rusty-patched bumblebee. Looking for ways to change behavior. And that, and that yes. wouldn't have something to do with this plastic bottle I have in my hand. Well, yeah, exactly. We need to not only work to change individual behavior, but the systems that would allow people to, you know, change their behavior, right? Um, so mm. the center works at all levels. And I know that you're familiar with a, a colleague of mine in the oceans team who works on plastics ocean, uh, plastic pollution in the oceans. Yes. And one of the systematic ways that we're looking to make change is, is through government, through law. And there's a, a new bill that's been reintroduced called the Break Free from Plastic Act, Plastic Pollution Act. The Break and Free from free Plastic Pollution from Act. I want to break free from the plastic. I want to break free. We'll have to work on that. Uh, it's coming <laughs> up. Oh my gosh, Kelly. that would be awesome <laughs> if We've like got to give you a plastic song. Yes. The Duchess and Teddy Tam Tam and myself are at this moment, and Luke Lukaluya over here, we are committing at this moment. I'm sure Freddie Mercury would not, a, would not care. He would but support, we, he support it. From heaven, he will support us. We will change our behavior, and we will make a song for your plastics campaign, Woo! okay? Woo! We commit. We commit. That would be awesome. Amen. So, Kelly, um, are you saying that attitude change doesn't equate to actual behavioral change like there are two different mental states it's true yeah i mean there is research that shows there's this knowledge behavior gap so mm -hmm. you know knowledge alone does not necessarily change behavior you need the systems and the infrastructure in place to allow that you know there's a lot of good examples whether it be you know i want to ride my bike more but there's no bike lanes in my town mm -hmm. or you know i want to eat more healthy but i'm in a food desert right. And so, you know, even if somebody has um, these positive attitudes towards what you're looking to do, we also need to work at the systematic level to uh, support them. And, you know, so it, it kind of goes hand in hand. We, we need to work both upstream and downstream. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us Individuals more about... Individuals are not off the hook. <laughs> Can you tell us a little more about the Break Free from Plastics Act? Yeah, so this is... Um, it was actually 
uh, introduced last year, but it was reintroduced this year and it got even better. So it has pretty much everything plus the kitchen sink to impact plastic pollution. So it has um, extended producer responsibility components, which mm -hmm. is a polluter pays type of um, action. So, you know, a lot of times you might think of it for cell phones and electronics, but right. this would this would now fit for plastic packaging. It includes bans and fees. Um, it talks about having, you know, a national bottle bill or deposit program because there's, I think, 10 or 11 states in the country that have these and have extremely robust recycling programs. Mm, amen. We, we, need, we, need, we need it to be national in scope. Um, uh, but the other thing that it really includes that was extremely novel that the center helped um, put in the bill is a moratorium on new incinerator or new um, fracking and ethane crackers. So as you've probably heard, you know, the... Um, what was that uh, word you used just now? It sounded like effing crackers? What? Fracking. Effing crackers, yeah. So, <laughs> fracking? you know, they're fracking and effing crackers, exactly. <laughs> um, so there's a lot of um, leftover natural gas, and one place that they're looking to expand production is in plastics generation. <sighs> and so, fracking. yeah, they want to increase production by 40% oh. um, going into plastic. Oh, leave in it on the ground. Exactly. Oh, my God. Exactly. So this bill um, actually has a component in it that would put a moratorium on new ethane crackers until the EPA could do research into how they're affecting the communities that they're already in. That's a stalling tactic, right? Yeah. A little more yeah. study. Well, but that, 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 I, we know that demanding environmental reports and so forth is it seems yeah. it, it it seems it's uh, a lawyer trick it's it's a it's a trick and we we know it can extend in time and i i know i know that that's a good tactic that can be a good tactic i mean that's that's for instance when we were working on mountaintop removal coal mining uh, getting finding a flaw in the environmental impact report was a very basic tactic mm -hmm. and you would go back to the judge and say hey wait a minute wait a minute what about this snail darter over here what about this spotted owl over here what about right. you know, and you you know uh, and the and the, the judge would send it back and that's what the coal executives were always afraid of that we would find an animal or a plant you know which most of the most of the time there is this sounds very much like exactly. the center for biological diversity I right was now. just gonna say I think that's <laughs> pretty much exactly what we do on a daily basis yeah. is you know find those species that are you know indicators of um, a habitat that needs to be, you know, conserved and everything else is also then protected by this, you know, indicator species. Yeah. So, but why doesn't it work yeah. that, why doesn't it work that we, we can say, look, human beings are dying. <laughs> right. Human beings need to have life to live. You know, we, we, can, we can't seem to don't have drinking water in this area. <laughs> Clean air. I'm yeah. polluted water. Oh, you don't have to drink anything. You'll just, you, you're going to get $70,000 from that fracking well, you know, you, you can, Get bottled water. You know, I mean, it, it, it's, it's so I, interesting about how we um, we do treat ourselves and our own bodies and, and the habitats that we also live in. I totally agree. Oh, so much for our self care. Hmm. I mean, in in yeah. in the city, in the city, we're in the middle of ten million people here. It depends on where you draw the city limits. It's 
it's hard to imagine our ecosystem. So, so over the last couple of years now, uh, really st- since Standing Rock, let's put it that way, we've been uh, starting our, our rallies and our marches with our land acknowledgement to the Lenape tribe. Respect. And it start, when that respect started, it started dawning on uh, activists that, oh, what was this place? <laughs> You know, right. <laughs> and we started thinking, oh, there, w- there was an ecosystem here. Right. It wasn't just cultural. Right. It wasn't just economic. There, there was, and then you look over at, at, at a decorative tree on the corner and you go, I wonder if that's a native thing. I don't know if you've heard, uh, but we just succeeded in banning glyphosates from 14% of the land area of New York City. The, I did. Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> I got yeah, goosebumps saying this to somebody from the, the Center for Biological Diversity. I just get goosebumps. <laughs> well, somebody give me an earth hallelujah. Yeah.